0: How many springs does an official ball have in it? How many springs? It doesn't have any springs in it. Well, how does it bounce then? It's air. There's air in the ball. Well, there's air in this room. How come this room ain't bouncing? Hey, everyone. This is your boy, Chris Asikwatt. And you are listening to the Love Means Nothing Tennis Podcast. Full disclosure, everyone. I did the best freaking podcast of my life this morning. Went to play it. listen to how good I was and the mic wasn't working not happy about it but it doesn't matter because I'm going to outdo myself on this one next week it's gonna be even better I'm gonna be on site at the labor cup I've got an interview set up with the CEO of the labor cup I didn't know there was a CEO of the labor cup I don't know what he does but I'll ask I've got a couple other interviews planned with some commentators there and hopefully I'll lock down a player or two as well. We shall see. Um, but it's been about a week since the U.S. Open. You might think that there is a lull in the tennis world, but that—that's there isn't anything further from the truth. Okay, there's so much going on on and off the court right now. Uh, there are conspiracy theories. There are players getting other people players pregnant. Um, there's on-court, off-court drama. Let's start with the conspiracy theories. That's where everyone wants me to go. So here we go, okay? The story starts with Simona Halep, okay? The decision has been made around her doping accusations, having banned substances in her system, okay? The decision was made that she will be banned from playing professional tennis for four years. Okay, it's basically a career-ending decision for Simona Halep. Um, To put it in perspective, if you have banned substances in your system in the NFL, you're banned for a quarter of the season. Other sports may be a little harsher than the NFL, but they're not nearly as significant as this. Um, Simona will be appealing that decision As she should. But um, I think there's an overall consensus out there that this was just overly harsh on her. She is adamant that she did not knowingly take any banned substances, any sort of uh, enhancement drugs. All of the people around her seem to support her or they are very supportive. Just they speak to her character and she would not knowingly do anything like this. Okay. So here's where the conspiracy theory is. The substances were um, shown to be in her system for a period of March to September. So a six month period, I think it might've been 2022 or 2021. I'm not even sure how far they go back. Anyway, she had a social media post literally a few days okay, before these substances started showing up in her system, that she had joined Patrick Mortegalo at the Mortegolo Academy, and he was going to be her new head coach. Okay, so right there, the timing is a little suspicious. So people are now saying, or some people are saying, that Patrick or his team actually, without Simona knowing, put these substances into her drinks, food, or whatever it is, however, you can put these um, into her system without her knowing, okay? Now, the next question you're probably asking is, why would they want to do that? And here's the answer, or here's what some people think might be the answer. Patrick mortagallo was Serena Williams' coach, Okay. Without Serena Williams, Mortegola would basically be nothing. He, he might be su- somewhat successful, but not nearly as successful of a celebrity coach as he currently is. That is just a fact. Okay, so he's going to back up Serena at all times. Okay? Serena Williams played Simona Halep in the Wimbledon finals at a, in the period, okay, where these banned substances were shown to be in her system or maybe after, I'm not really sure. But anyway, the thought is, or the theory is, that if a player has, you know, if it's proven that she has been using enhancement drugs, that some of her tournament victories will be pulled away from her, and and this is actually happening on a couple tournaments, and the finalist actually gets awarded the tournament win. When Simona beat Williams in the Wimbledon final, Williams had won seven, grand, seven um, Wimbledon Grand Slam titles, and that would have been her eighth. Even more significant is that she had won 23 Grand Slam titles, and if she had won one, one more, she would have been tied with Margaret Court for the all-time leader at twenty four. The fact that Margaret Court is the all-time leader is a bit of a joke because she played in an era where women were like not even allowed to play sports and, and none, no women traveled around the world playing all these different tournaments. Okay, so major advantage, Margaret Court. She obviously, but regardless, people just say, okay, she's the 24 slam winner. She's the leader right now. But like she wasn't even that gay. Okay, uh, different era completely. Shouldn't be compared, but it is what it is. Anyway, when... S- When the verdict came out, Simona, no, sorry. When the verdict came out, Serena put out this scathing tweet saying that it should have been eight. Now the eight was referencing, obviously instead of four years, it should have been eight years, but it's also in a way referencing that would have been the number of Wimbledon titles she would have won, okay? So the thought is that Patrick and his team put these substances in her, whatever drinks, food, whatever it is, then she, some of those that win that she would have had, and others would have been pulled back. Serena now would go go down as an eight time Wimbledon winner and a twenty four time Grand Slam winner. Fuck, there's okay. At first, I, I thought no, this is totally impossible. But when you start like lining up everything and seeing how people have reacted to it, there's some validity to it. Okay, so I don't know if it's true, but it might be. I kind of think it is true. We'll see. Hopefully we find out the answer eventually. Hopefully there's like some journalistic like investigation, maybe even a criminal investigation. If if there is more like evidence that this is a possibility, um, that would be very interesting. People are kind of shitting on Mortegalo. Like not many people are spreading this conspiracy. Only people like me. Um, But people are kind of shitting on Mortegalo on social media right now. He's like taking like credit for Coco Goffs. Like victory as well in the U.S. Open, he had a few things to say, like oh, if it wasn't for him, etc. And people are just like, people are getting sick of this guy. Um, we'll see what happens with this one. Okay, moving on. I just watched a video, okay, a Vox video. Uh, I recommend everyone uh, interested in tennis and the business of tennis watch it. I'll add the link to this pod. Okay, it's called. The title is Why Most Tennis Players Struggle to Make a Living, okay? And it's about, it really goes into detail about player revenue, sh- revenue share, and it was actually pretty eye-opening, okay? I had an idea that, you know, um, tennis, you know, a lot of the revenue was more heavily weighted towards, like, the owners of the tournaments uh, and, like, the sponsors and the media and wherever else the money goes and not directly to the players in the proportion that it should be, but it is really far out of whack, okay? So for example, of the revenue generated um, in the NFL and other major league sports, it hovers around 50%. Okay, the NFL is 47%, I think the NBA might be 51%, uh, MLB, something similar, okay? When it comes to tennis, tennis players make 18, 1.8% of the total revenue share and the reason is that it's kind of more fragmented, right? You have the four grand slams that operate a separate entity, use all the different tournaments, uh, you have the WTA, you have the ATP, you have all these different organizations and there's no one really looking after the players whereas like in the NFL, for example, they're employees, okay, of an organization, one entity. And they get like a salary that's basically guaranteed. Obviously, certain okay, – that's my dog barking in the background. Obviously, there's certain contracts where, you know, there'll be bonuses based on on outcomes and, um, you know, whatever, based on how good they were playing that year. But, like, tennis um, doesn't have any of that. There's no guarantees. To put it, again, in perspective – Alcaraz, who is like the poster child of tennis, a a once-in-a-generation type player, dominated um, for the most part last year on tour. He made total prize money of $10 million, Okay, which sounds good, but then you need to consider that his travel, his um, team that he pays for, everything, his expenses... That goes out of his own pocket, okay? There's no team, there's no organization paying for that. So after everything, you know, he's netting a lot less than that. Now, when you compare it to the MLB, for example, the player that made $10 million was the 150th highest paid player in the league. In the NFL, it was something like a hundred and like thirtieth highest paid player in the league. NBA similar. NHL, maybe it's You know, maybe it's like 80, 70, 60, 60th best played player in the league. I know NHL players get paid a little bit less than some of the other professional sports. But anyway, the discrepancy is massive, okay? And this is the greatest, the best, other than Djokovic, the best tennis player out there. Obviously, off-court deals, he's going to be making more. But if you really think about it, you know, I've got a boy coming soon, okay? My wife is pregnant and my goal is to make him a professional tennis player. That's just what I want to do. But I don't know if that's a good idea when you look at what the income is. Maybe I should push him to another sport. The problem is that if I push him to basketball or whatever, I don't like I can ball. Okay, I can ball. But like, I don't know basketball that well. Like I'm not like tennis where I feel like I could train this kid, especially if I have a daughter. Okay, if I have a daughter, I can make her number one in the world. No question about it. Okay, you just gotta like. I don't know why these women basically just hit hard, flat, no patterns, nothing like that. Like, trust me, if I have a daughter, she will be number one in the world. Um, she'll probably hate me for it because I'll just push her so hard, but so be it. Uh, that's my retirement plan anyway. Um, you know, it's just kind of sad because players outside the top hundred they are are in the red, essentially. They don't make enough money um, to even survive to cover their costs. So there needs to be a restructuring of this. Um, the video brings out some other examples, definitely worth watching. That brings me into my next topic that I want to talk about, okay? And it's about match, match fixing. I brought this up in my last pod that I was going to read this article. Unfortunately, there was a paywall with the article. Okay, like a what? Who, why does... Washington Post have a paywall. Like I'm not going to pay $4 a month to Washington Post. So essentially I couldn't read the article. So then I tried Googling in other places and I got like a high level of what's going on. But the article is about this guy, okay? This Armenian guy that immigrated to Belarus and he masterminded the biggest illegal betting ring in tennis in the world, okay? He... Uh, turned $350, not $350,000, just $350 into $9 million in just two years. And now he's jailed. Okay, He went to jail. Apparently uh, his sentence was five years. He's proud of it um, because he corrupted more than 180 players. And he said, hey, you have to be pretty talented to do that. So how does somebody do this with tennis and it relates to how shitty a lot of these tennis players are so he was going after you know women and men that were around 500th in the world it's easy to corrupt them because you know you can have a deal with them where if you or if they agree to lose like the first game of the match you'll pay them like 500 bucks or something like that and that's more money than they're going to make in the entire tournament so apparently he had 181 tennis players 375 matches were involved. It actually doesn't seem that many. I thought it'd be like thousands. Again, tennis is just like a one player sport. So all you have to do is corrupt one person. You don't have to like corrupt an entire team. Okay. Which the word would get out pretty quickly. So it's definitely an easier sport to do it in. I'll just read you a little bit about it. An Armenian match fixer nicknamed the Maestro. So I guess he's still Federer's nickname. Who masterminded the biggest illegal betting ring in tennis. It said he was proud of corrupting more than 180 players and paying them to throw hundreds of matches. Over several years, Gregor Sargisan, an Armenian immigrant to Belgium with no tennis background, turned a savings of 350 into millions. He supposedly considered himself the sports Robin Hood. After building a web of players from around the world, believed to be included, believed to include some base in the United States and convincing them to fix message, message, matches. He was recently jailed for five years in Belgium after a SWAT team arrested him at his parents' house following an exhaustive investigation. Anyway, um, this guy, well, apparently he just like went around on these like shitty little satellite tournaments. And like I said, was able to corrupt these players. I get it. You know, I hope these players don't go to jail. Like, let's just say you're like 600th in the world It's not moral to do it. They shouldn't have done it, obviously. But if you're struggling that much, nobody cares about these matches anyway. Nothing's really on the line, okay? And yeah, you give away a game, you make a few hundred dollars. Like, totally not moral, shouldn't do it. But do these players belong in jail for doing that? I don't think so. Hopefully, they go soft on him. This guy got five years, though. Uh, That's a pretty long sentence. Um... I'll, uh, I'll link an article as well. Don't worry, I'll link the free article. I'm not going to make you pay $4 a month to read this. Um, moving on. Lorenzo Musetti, okay, the good looking 21 year old Italian tennis player, everything going for him. Okay, I think he's like top 20 in the world. He announced that his girlfriend, Veronica, is pregnant with their child. Here are my thoughts. Okay, I'm actually in the camp that men should be not holding off on starting a family as long as they typically are doing in this generation. A lot of guys, including myself, don't start a family till they're in their late 30s, early 40s, etc. I actually think that's waiting too long and men should start having families, bigger families maybe in their late starting their late 20s early 30s, etc. So I'm in that camp. Now that does not mean that I think that a celebrity tennis player should be knocking up his girlfriend at the age of 21. It's stupid. He's pulling a Taylor Fritz here. Not a good idea. Um and like how stupid could you be? Okay, like are you that romantically involved? That in love where you can't pull out or you're not prepared to wear a condom or she won't go on birth control like Come on, think a little bit here. Uh, Musetti, not a good move. Your life is going to change significantly now and it's probably not going to help your tennis game. Uh, Maybe this was planned and maybe they're absolutely over the moon and in love. And if that is the case, then I am happy for them. But I highly doubt it. Let's move on. Okay, Davis Cup is being played right now. Um, There was a little bit of drama um, on the tennis court in a Tiafo match. Um, I'll give you the overview quickly. US was playing the Netherlands. Tiafo was playing Greekspor. Tiafo was down a set and they were in the second set tiebreak. He was down 5 2 in the tiebreak. Greekspor was serving on the ad side at 5 2. Okay. He hit a serve down the tee. It was called out. Tiafo reached, missed the ball, but the call of it being out uh, occurred right before Tiafo actually hit the tennis ball, so it should have been replayed, okay? poor or should have been replayed if the ball was in. poor challenged the call. It turned out that the serve was in, so then they should have replayed it, but the umpire awarded the point to poor instead of replaying it. Yes, Tiafoe was outstretched. Would have Tiafoe gotten the return back? Maybe not, but regardless, the call did come before he got to it, and he did touch the ball on his racket, so it should have been replayed. It was a horrible call, I guess because of this umpire's pride, he wouldn't go back on it. Tiafoe complained, he complained to the tournament director, etc. Uh, he was down 6-2 now, he grabbed a racket, smashed it on the court, then the umpire, instead of just giving him a break on this one, knowing that he fucked up before, he then calls a point penalty on him for racket abuse and awarded the match to Greekspor. Not a good look for this umpire. You know, this umpire probably, I don't know where they find these umpires, they suck. These are supposed to be the best in the world, probably because they get paid seventy-five thousand dollars a year and have to travel the world the entire year and be away from their families. You know, I mean, it's not—they're probably not attracting the best people. Kind of like our politicians; our political system aren't attracting the best people either. That's why we have a bunch of idiots in politics. Okay, moving on. Why does Serbia love Djokovic? Okay, it's because Djokovic loves Serbia. Okay, it comes down to that. And if you love your people and you love your country, they are going to love you back. One week after, less than one week after winning the U.S. Open, he has nothing to prove. He's 36 years old. He might risk injury, etc. He announced that he would play for Serbia at the Davis Cup against Spain. He played against Fokina literally like five days after his U.S. Open win. He beat him. He's now playing doubles why is he doing this it's because he loves his country he there's no money really involved he risks injury he's already 36 years old you got to preserve you got to take care of your body that's why they love him um oh you know i guess my last pod was before the u.s open final so i haven't really talked about it there's nothing to really talk about we all know what happened my poem i hope you like my poem My poem was a nice poem, okay? But it was completely wrong, my prediction. I'll be honest with you. I didn't actually think... You're going to say call bullshit. I didn't think Medvedev was actually going to win that. But that's just how the words came together in the poem. And I couldn't fight it. I had to go with it. Even though it was not my real prediction. Okay? Anyway, Djokovic won that in three. The match was kind of boring. And here's what people are saying. Okay? Is Djokovic right now winning these tournaments because he's playing in the worst era Of men's tennis. And there's an argument to be made. You have Rune right now, who's like four in the world, and the guy has not won a tennis match since Wimbledon. And I actually gave Rune a bunch of love earlier in the year on my podcast, but it's pretty disappointing. Okay, you've got other guys like Medvedev in the final, who obviously is a good tennis player, but the guy can't fucking adjust his game. It's pathetic. Like Why is he so hellbent on standing 50 feet behind the baseline on every return? Like, can he not change it up? Can he not change his game slightly if he's losing? Okay, and Djokovic continued to do the same thing and beat him. Like, you need to change it up, but he wasn't willing to. I think people were pretty disappointed. Obviously, there were some great exchanges and good points. But at the end of the day, you know, he didn't show a diverse game. He didn't bring enough elements to the game to beat somebody like Djokovic playing like that, he'll beat him one out of 10 times. And he does beat him about one out of 10 times. Um, but um, yeah, like in the past, you know, you have obviously the Federer-Nadal era. You had before that the Sampras, the Agassi era. Before that, you had the Becker-Lendl era, the McEnroe era, etc., etc. Right now, you know, not taking anything away from Joker, You obviously have Alcaraz out there that is like a star as well. He's going to be one of the next greats. But like, There is a tiny bit of a lull right now in in tennis, and Djokovic is definitely taking advantage of it. Another funny part about the final was the Moderna shot of the day, shot of the tournament, highlighting Djokovic. Obviously, Moderna, pro-vax, pro-COVID-vax. You have Djokovic, who didn't take the bullshit vaccine, and he is now being proven. Now Roddick is saying, all these guys that shat shat on him before, they're saying... He's not only the greatest tennis player in the world, he's the greatest athlete in the world. This is a guy that a year ago people were saying is completely irresponsible when it came to his body, other people, etc., by not taking the vaccine. To put it in perspective on how fucked up the U.S. is right now, or was, but kind of is right now too. Okay, and I'm not shitting on the U.S. This is like worldwide, but the U.S. particularly. He wasn't allowed to step foot in America in April less than six months ago okay he couldn't step foot in the country because he was a danger less than six months later he wins the U.S. Open the fans are going crazy they're loving him the commentators are telling everybody how great he is he throws on a mamba shirt you know to uh out of respect for Kobe the legend number 24 this was his twenty-four. so I'm like there was, like, this big deal around him. Like, he was so loved and admired. Meanwhile, six months before, he wasn't allowed to step foot in the country. Do people not see how fucking crazy that is? Okay? Fucking politicians. Um, they're ruining us. I'm telling you that. Uh Anyway, good for Joker. Won his slam. Won his 24 slam. The GOAT, obviously. No question about that anymore. Um... This whole, like, phone drop in, you know, Ben Shelton dialed in thing, like, it's great. Everyone's talking about it. People are like, some people, some of these trolls out there that don't like to be entertained, they, they think it's like a bad thing for the game, even though more people are talking about the phone drop than even like the tennis matches, okay? It's bringing conversation into tennis, which is exactly what we need. Other players are starting to copy it. I bet you in Laver Cup Team World, which Shelton is playing on, I bet you everyone does that now after they win a match. It's kind of a thing. It'll probably like go away, but right now it's kind of a thing. Surprisingly, Ben Shelton's dad said that like Joker was like disrespecting him, just mocking him um, by doing it after his win. It's true, but who cares? That's exactly what people want to see. Uh, Shelton didn't care. Nobody else cares um so people are still talking about the phone drop Shelton even got a GQ article kind of like Fritz had a GQ article about a month ago so they're starting to be like more popularity and attention on tennis players which was great they literally talked about the phone drop like 50% of this article uh anyway Shelton's becoming a star in America so it's good to see great personality uh I don't think there's really anything else to, to uh cover Don't forget to listen next week. Laver Cup coming live at you. I am your host, Chris Hasegwat. You are listening to the Love Means Nothing Tennis Podcast. Bye-bye.